0: transformation, God. And let us, have you have that work in us, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I, and I just... My heart is, and I'll be honest, I haven't been to a ton of FCA convention devotions, but Uh, my heart this morning was just that we come and we meet with the Lord, and I'm not going to share for a real long time. I think this morning, I think Todd said it last night, it's more than just reading the Word or hearing the Word. It's meeting with Jesus, and the Word is obviously a huge part of that, and we don't have a long time this morning, but my prayer is that we could just begin our day meeting with Jesus, and and it would just be a good start to that. So I I just want to read a passage and kind of just hone in on on one little passage of Scripture here, and uh, I just, it's something that God has been dealing with me over the past couple months, and showing me, Uh, and I I pray that maybe it would speak to you, it would, God would use it in your life this morning. It's in John chapter 16, and if you want to head there with me, um, there's no screens or anything today, so your physical Bible or digital Bible, Um, John chapter 16, and we're going to go to verse 16, and just read for for a little while this, this passage right here. Jesus is talking and we're familiar with it, but it says, a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, what is this he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. And because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this that he says a little while? We don't know what he's saying. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Most assuredly I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. And you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come, but as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you." And in that day, you will ask me at nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And I I don't know about you, but I'm guessing what's true of me is probably true of a lot of you. That that in ministry, i found that a lot of times my joy, and I want to hone in on the last part of that, my joy is determined by maybe how my ministry is going, or it's determined by how the attendance was on Sunday morning, or my joy, you know, will go up if we saw several people saved, but if I got a bunch of criticism about my message, my joy will go down, and and it it, it wavers, and we've all, I'm sure, talked about how happiness and joy are not the same thing. But I feel like what the Lord showed to me is this idea that you have a joy that nobody can take from us. And one thing I struggle with, real honestly, in ministry is joy. I have lost my joy. And I would blame the ministry. I would blame people. And I'd say, man, the ministry's stealing my joy. The people are stealing my joy. But the reality is, what Jesus says is, I'm giving you a joy when the Holy Spirit comes. You're going to have a type of joy that nobody can take from you. And I really believe that Christians, and I tell my church all the time that joy should be the mark of Christians. But if you ask people, describe a Christian, and I even think we'll take it a little further, describe a pastor, would joy be one of the things that comes off their lips? Because joy is the thing that the world is critically lacking, and it's something that we've been promised that we can have, and it can never be taken from us. And that should be something that people see, and they want inside of us. But if you say, describe a Christian, I don't think very many uh, people in the world would describe joy. And I even think if you ask them to describe a pastor, I think very few would describe joy. And for a long time, that wasn't me. You look, describe me and people could say a lot of nice things, but joy probably wouldn't have been one of them. But I believe it, it's a mark of a Christian. Jesus, the kingdom of God is what we know it, righteousness, peace, and joy. And just as much as knowing that we're the righteousness of God in Christ, Jesus should define us as being in the kingdom. So should peace and so should joy. And, and I think the thing that God began to show me, and, and maybe this will help somebody here today, is that joy is not a pursuit. You know, even in our Constitution, and you know, most of us here probably from America, and it's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we can treat joy like it's something that we've got to pursue. Like if the right set of circumstances change, if my church just grew to a certain number and, and things just began to click, and, and that then I would have joy. But that is the farthest from the truth. In fact, I think it's a lie from the enemy. If this would just happen, then I would have joy. And in fact, joy is not a pursuit. It's a promise. Joy is a promise. What we see dear Jesus, the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to give you a joy that nobody can take from you. It's not something that we pursue, it's something that we lay hold of as a promise from God. And that's something that I had been missing, and i had been blaming people and things for stealing my joy, or sometimes I'd even bring it personal and say, well, I let them steal my joy, or I let them take my joy, and I'm not going to let those people take my joy. But the reality is they can't take my joy if what the Bible says is true. They can't take it. Nobody can take it. He says, I'm giving you a joy that no one can take from you. In the New Living, I think it says, you're going to have a joy that no one can rob from you. And it's not based on how well ministry is going. Ministry, you can have the worst year of ministry ever in the world's eyes, but you can still be full of joy. And it's based on, I've been with Jesus. And the whole reason he's saying, I'm going to have a joy there is, is the things like Todd was talking about last night, because you've got the Holy Spirit. He's saying it's better. And he says, I think it's funny how he's telling the disciples, he's got to say it again and again. I tell you the truth because you're not going to believe me. He keeps saying that. I tell you the truth. It's better that I go away. It's better that I'm leaving. And, and for them that had to be unfathomable, the fact that how can it be better that Jesus is leaving? And yet they realized a few weeks later that, yeah, it was better because now we've got the Holy Spirit. Uh, We've got him with us all the time and we've got a joy and a peace and a righteousness nobody can take from us. And uh, I think I, I lost my joy because I was focused on what I was doing rather than what I was becoming. And whenever I would get focused on that, I would lose my joy. But when the Holy Spirit comes you're going to have a joy and nobody can take it. And I think sometimes you know I, we think of God like Gandalf from Lord of the Rings with the big white beard and he's kind of you know stern and looks like that. But I see a God like in Zephaniah three seventeen, where it says he rejoices with singing over us. God is up there rejoicing. He's not a stoic God. He's not a a, a harsh God. He's a loving God who sings over us rejoicing. And I don't even think sometimes we can picture that because of what's been portrayed of God in in modern culture and and what we've seen. But says he rejoices over us with singing. Joy is a promise. It's a promise of God that, that can't be taken. The kingdom things, you know, the kingdom things can't be taken. We tell people, lay hold of the promise for your health and claim the promises of God for your health. But what about claiming the promises for our joy? You would never say the devil could steal your righteousness, right? Oh man, I'm no longer righteous in God's eyes because the devil took you. We wouldn't say that. But yet we'll tell people, don't let that person steal your joy. And I've told many people. How many have ever said that to somebody? Don't let that steal your joy. Don't let them steal your joy. I've said it a bunch of times. And what I see there is that they can't steal our joy. And and what God began to show me first, I thought, well, I don't don't steal it; I give it away. But I feel like the Lord showed me it's even more than that. It's not just that I give it away; it, it's that I I trade it in. I trade it in for something that I somehow think is gonna be is gonna be better. And and I remember. I remember one time I had this car, and there was a seasonal life where we had one kind of reasonable car, and then we had the, the beater car, and I called it the Craigslist car. It's the car that I would get off of Craigslist, and all I had to do was get me to church and back, and praise God, we've kind of moved beyond that season a little bit, thankfully. But I had the, the Craigslist car, and I remember, and this car was beat up. My wife wouldn't even ride in it. She was so embarrassed of it, and uh, she called it the couch on wheels. It was just a big, giant boat, and, and, it, you know, it, it wasn't pretty, but it got me where I needed to go and and that, but I, I had an opportunity to trade it in for something that looked way better. The car looked a million times better. It was a sharper looking. Uh, the interior was way better. And so I took the opportunity. It was just a straight trade. And I took the opportunity. I got rid of the, the couch car and... Uh, I traded it in for this car that that looked way better, the interior looked better, everything looked great. and The old car was actually my wife made fun of, but if you ever watch the show 24, Jack Bauer drove that car on like the first season of 24, so I said, that's not the couch car, that's the Jack Bauer car. And it was doing flips and stunts and all that. But anyway, I traded it in, and I traded it in for this, you know, shiny, nice-looking thing. Well, the day after I got it, the air conditioning broke. The air conditioning worked fine when I tested it. The day after the thing broke, everything started breaking down. The thing was as lemony as lemon could be. And it was just falling apart. And I realized this was a lousy trade. This was a lousy trade. I made a horrible choice. I traded in something that was getting me reliably from where I had to go one place to another. And I traded it in for something now that was broken down. I was always fixing. And I really think that we do the same thing with our joy. We, nobody can take it. I think we trade it in, and I said, God, what do we trade it in for? What, what do we exchange it for? And I think there's a lot of different things. I think a few of them are, well, sometimes we trade it in for sin, and the promise of sin is happiness, and, and we think that this way of doing things is going to be better than God's way of doing things, and so we choose to allow ourselves to get in into sin because we think that there's more pleasure there than in the presence of God, that somehow that way is better than God's way, and we trade it in for sin. And the promise of sin is happiness, and you might have temporary happiness, but it always ends up a lemon. It always ends up destroying your life. You always end up saying, you look back years later, why did I do that? Maybe we traded in, you know, for uh, for just busyness, and, you know, we traded in because we think that being busy, we fall for the lie that busyness is the same as fruitfulness and that just by being busy and filling our schedules and acting busy that somehow that's going to bring us joy if we just get all our to-do list done or we just get our agenda done for the day and we get through it, that that's going to give us joy. But even that's, that's a lie. That's a lie. You can check off everything on your to-do list and some people get incredible fulfillment from that. I I get fulfillment, you know, check off the task. But that, we can, if we're not careful, we can trade that in for our joy. We can trade it in for sympathy, I think, sometimes. The sympathy of man. Elijah sat out there having a pity party and you know for himself and said, Woe is me, you know, I'm the only one. And God came to him and said, What are you doing here? What are you doing here? This isn't what I called you to do. What, what are you doing in this place? And we'll get over there and we'll get, woe is me and why is everything so bad? And, and we want the sympathy of man. And maybe we even come to a conference and, and um, you know we talk about how, how bad it's been, the struggles. And I think we need to share that, but we never want to trade the comfort of the Holy Spirit for the sympathy of man. That we desire the sympathy of man more than we desire the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I, I think you can have the comfort of the Holy Spirit or you can have the sympathy of man, but you can't have both. And we trade our joy because we want people to say, oh man, look at what a hard time they're going through. Look at how hard that is. And it's good to have people to come around us and strengthen us, but if we're not careful, we can end up like Elijah off there having a pity party and say, woe is me. And God saying, what are you doing? I've given you righteousness, joy, and peace. I've given you everything you need. There's no reason for a pity party. You can't have a pity party and my presence at the same time. Maybe we trade it in for the For the fear of man. We trade our joy because we want the approval of man more than we want the approval of God. And we trade it for something that we think is going to be better. But the Holy Spirit is coming, saying there's a joy. Can't steal it from you. I stopped telling people that. I stopped saying, you know, don't let that person steal your joy. I stopped saying it myself because just like I've got righteousness, just like the devil or anybody else is not going to take the righteousness that I have by the blood of Jesus, nobody's going to take the joy that I have. Nobody's going to take the peace that I have. If I don't have it, it's not because God changed it. It's because something changed in me, and I chose to give it away for something else. And so, you know, we spend a lot of time in our church. We love alternates. We pray. And honestly, a lot of the thing, people that come for alternates, they're praying that they're, you know, that whatever circumstance that's not going well in their life is going to change. And I'm all for it. Let's believe God and let's believe that, that God's going to see you through and things are going to change and things are going to get better. But the question that, that I, I now challenge people with, I say, what if, what if the, in this life the circumstances never change? What if they We're believing they do, and we're going to believe that, that things are going to turn around, but if they never change, can you still have joy? Can you still have peace? And the question I have for you, what if, what if the church never gets to, to the number, you know, you have in your mind? What if And I believe God wants that. I believe those are good things to desire. But what if the circumstances never change? What if the people who cause you heartache and pain and are always grumbling and complaining, what if they never change? Or what if they never leave? Or what if they're always there? What if the situation never changes? Can you still have joy? Can you still have peace in the midst of it? Because that's the place we've got to get to. And that's a place that only comes by, by listening to, by abiding in, by, by the comforter, the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, he's the one. It's hard for you to believe, but it's actually going to be better that I go because the Holy Spirit's going to come. I'm only with you. I'm not with you all the time. I'm, I'm here, but when the Holy Spirit comes, he's always with you. Your joy is going to be full. And then I love what it says down at the bottom. He's talking about now you're going to ask in my name. You're going to ask in the name of Jesus. Till now you haven't asked anything in my name. But he says, ask in my name, he's saying, and you will receive that your joy may be full. And he's saying, if, you're not, if joy isn't full, it's probably because you're not asking. It's probably because you're not spending time with the Father. It's probably because if your joy is off, has nothing to do, the circumstances have no uh, impact on your joy. And that's the place we got to get to. That's the place I had to get to. If Sunday morning was awful and everything went wrong and and this last Sunday, it, we had we were doing baptisms. It was what we were doing baptisms. And uh, we had we had three people we were baptizing and we got the first two and the last one and and um, I call out the last, I said, okay, Elizabeth, you come out, and, and we get, you know, I told, the, I even tell the church, I said, this is a, this is the most important day, you're like, cheer, and when they come out, you cheer, and you clap, and you shout, and, and uh, so I said, Elizabeth, come on out, and the crowd, everybody starts to cheer, and I look over at the door, we have like a door to the green room area, and I look over, and the lady who's kind of helping the baptism candidates candidates gets ready, and, and she's just shaking her head at me, no, no, no. And I'm like, what do you mean? And I look in there and I see the girl who's supposed to get baptized. She's pretty much having a panic attack. And uh, she's just too nervous to get up there. And uh, it was a very awkward moment in our service. Everybody's clapping and cheering for this girl. And she's not going to come out. And I realized there's nothing nobody's going to do to get her out at that moment. And I don't even remember what I said. It was real awkward and, <laughs> and whatnot. But we've all had Sundays like that, right, where it didn't go how we planned, or, or the message didn't come across, or certain people didn't like it. But can, in the midst of that, we still have joy? Because if we don't have joy, it's not because Sunday morning didn't go well. It's not because our church isn't growing. It's not because um, these people are giving us problems. If we're not having joy, it's because something is off in here. It's because something is off between us and the Holy Spirit. It's because we haven't been spending time there asking and seeking. It, it's, it's because we've traded it in for something else. Maybe we traded it in because we've got too much to do to spend time in the presence of God. And that is, so I would just, I would just challenge you with this question today and, and ask you, how, how's your joy? How's your joy? If I were to ask on a scale of one to 10, where's your joy? And if we really believe the scripture, I have to say that God wants us at a 10 all the time. You say, well, that's not possible. How can we do that? That's all I see. He's going to give you joy nobody can take. When you ask in my name, you will receive that your joy may be full. I don't think we should ever have a one, two, three, four, five joy. If I believe the scripture, I have to believe that our joy can be at a 10 all the time, no matter what the circumstances, and even if the circumstances never change. And that's the place I'm believing that God's going to get me to. So, God, no more dependent on, on how Sunday morning's going, no more dependent upon that per- person if they're giving me problems or not, no more dependent upon. Um, Anything, even your family life. If your kids are giving you issues, that, well, I just can't have joy. No, I believe the promise is that in the midst of all that, there can be a joy that no thing, nobody, nothing can take or steal from us. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Can we just, um, I just, just between you and the Lord, just that question, where's your joy? On a scale of one to ten, where is your joy? In the last in the last couple months, where's your joy been? Has you been at a two or three? You say, maybe I've been at a eight. God, let's let realize that this is a promise. This isn't a pursuit. We're not pursuing joy. This is something that we have in Jesus Christ, just like we have our righteousness in Jesus Christ. We have joy. We have peace. And we're going to walk in it. We're going to choose to walk in it every day. And that's the thing that the Lord's been doing in me, And the thing that challenges me, I go to, I just got, and when the Lord began to speak this to me, it was in Cambodia. And I was there and I saw the joy in the churches there, the joy in the Christians there. They had nothing they had nothing. Kids didn't even have shoes. They had literally nothing. And yet they had so much more joy than myself. They had so much more joy than the people in my church. And, and I looked at them and I said, there's something different. There's something that I'm missing. The fact that I've got all this and, and, and I still can't have joy on a consistent basis. That it goes up and down and blows with the wind. And the Lord started saying, I've got something better. There's a reason that they can be joyful. Hallelujah. All right, can we just span, stand and spend the last few minutes we've got here just in prayer? And I, I just say, can we just do this? If, if you, maybe, maybe particularly you just say, you know, my joy is really low. It's a one, a two, a three. It's been doing ministry. Can we just, if that's, if that's you, that was me. Honestly, that was me for, for a long time, and, and the Lord has done it in me. But if that's you, could we, would you just be kind of vulnerable and honest? and Can we just pray for you this morning? It just, just lift your hand and we can gather around you and, and pray for you. And if you see someone with your hand lifted, can you just go towards them and let's pray. Hallelujah. 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 Anybody else you just want, say, pray for me that I would just lay hold of this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we praise your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. In your in your each situation. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus, I just pray for fullness of joy. So in your presence, there's fullness of joy, God. And I pray we get to the place where we continually walk in your presence so that there would be continual fullness of joy, Lord. And so I pray for any any joy tanks, Lord, that maybe seem empty, Lord. I thank you that you would just speak, Lord, and you would just give revelation like you've done for me, that joy is a promise from you that we lay hold of. Nobody's going to take it. Nobody's going to steal it, Lord. And I pray if any of us here have traded it in, Lord, I pray that we would just right now in this moment, this morning, at the start of this new day, we would just declare that we are taking it back. We are laying hold of it again. And I pray just for new uh, new love. I just pray for fullness, God. Not levels, but fullness of joy in everything that we do in spite and through any circumstances, good or bad, that the joy of you, Lord, would be our strength in everything that we do, Lord. And that if anybody here, I just believe, Lord, if, if that's you, if the joy was lacking. There's going to be a new strength there. There's going to be a new power there. And we just thank you, Lord. And we just declare right now, Lord, we just lay hold of that in you that our joy is full. We ask you right now. We receive from you right now, Lord. And today we start this day with joy. We start this day with praise. We declare that you are a good God, that you are a mighty God, Lord. And we just thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for this new day here at this conference, Father. And we just open ourselves up. Can we just, whatever God wants to do today, can we just pray for this day at the FCA convention that, that God would do. I mean, last night was great, but I believe there's even more he wants to do. He's not done yet. So Father, we just believe right now in the name of Jesus that today there's more that you have for us. There's more that you want for us. We thank you for what you've done so far, God, but we're not checking out. We're not satisfied, Lord. We want everything that you have. We don't want to miss anything that you have for us, God. And so today, Lord, I pray that you would just, uh, upon those who are ministering today, upon Todd, upon Sam, Lord, and others who are ministering in the workshops, God, I pray that you would use them to speak to us in a mighty way today, Lord, that you would continue the work that you've started so far at this convention, Father, and that thank you that you're going to complete it, Lord, that you're going to do the transforming work, not just a, a touch that we go home and go back to our old way, but a transformation that's going to stay with us forever, Lord, that you're going to do something here that's going to start something that is going to change how we do life, how we do ministry that we're going to experience your presence like never before God. Because that's where it's at, in your presence. Teach us to walk in your presence on a continual basis. That's what we need. Because we can, without it, we can do nothing. But we thank you that with it, we can do anything. We can do anything. So we thank you. Thank you for this new day. Thank you that Your mercies are new today, Lord. Thank you for what you want to do in us now. We just surrender ourselves at the start of this day to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.